You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading the four volumes, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to share your own thoughts and insights, reflections about today's readings, you can do so on Facebook at the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group page, and there you'll be able to interact with others who are listening and following along. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 232. We are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 9, Paragraphs 430 to 444. Chapter 9. Christ our Savior parts from his Most Holy Mother in Bethany in order to enter upon his sufferings on the Thursday of his Last Supper. The Great Lady asks to partake of Holy Communion with the rest and afterwards follows with the Magdalene and other holy women. 430. Let us now proceed in our history and return to our Savior in Bethany, whither, after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, he had returned with his apostles. In the last chapter, we anticipated the course of events in relating what was undertaken by the demons before the betrayal of Christ and what resulted from the infernal consultation, the treachery of Judas, and the counsel of the Pharisees. We will now take up the thread of events in Bethany, where the great queen attended upon and served her divine son during the three days intervening between Palm Sunday and Maundy Thursday. All this time, except what was consumed on Monday and Tuesday in going to Jerusalem and teaching in the temple, the author of life spent with his blessed mother. For on Wednesday he did not go to Jerusalem, as I have already said. On these last journeys, he instructed his disciples more clearly and fully concerning the mysteries of his passion and human redemption. Nevertheless, although they listened to the teachings and forewarnings of their God and Master, each one was affected thereby only insofar as his disposition allowed and according to the motives and sentiments of his heart. They were always tardy in their response, and in the weakness they fell short of their protestations of zealous love, as the events afterwards showed, and as we shall see later on. 4.31 But to the Most Blessed Mother, our Savior, during the day immediately preceding his passion, communicated such exalted sacraments and mysteries of the redemption and of the new law of grace, that many of them will remain hidden until they shall be revealed in the beatific vision. Of those which I have understood, I can say very little. But into the heart of the great queen, her son, deposited all that David calls uncertain and hidden of his divine wisdom, 
Psalm 58. Namely, the great part of the secrets of his works ad extra, such as our salvation, the glorification of the predestined, and the consequent exaltation of his holy name. The Lord instructed Mary in all that she was to do during his passion and death, and enlightened her anew with divine light. In all these conferences, her Most Holy Son spoke to her with a new and kingly reserve, such as was in harmony with the greatness of the matter treated of. For now the tenderness and the caresses of a son and spouse had entirely ceased. But as the natural love of the sweetest mother and the burning charity of her purest soul had now reached a degree above all comprehension of the human mind, and as the conversation and intercourse with her divine son was now drawing to a close, no created tongue can describe the tender and mournful affections of that purest of hearts and the sighs of her inmost soul. She was as the mysterious turtle dove that already began to feel the approach of that solitude, which the company of no creature in heaven or on earth could ever relieve or compensate. 4.32 Thursday, the eve of the passion death of the Savior had arrived. At earliest dawn, the Lord called to him his most beloved mother, and she, hastening to prostrate herself at his feet, responded, Speak, my Lord and Master, for thy servant heareth. Raising her up from the ground, he spoke to her in noble words of soothing and tenderest love. My mother, the hour decreed by the eternal wisdom of my father for accomplishing the salvation and restoration of the human race and imposed upon me by his most holy and acceptable will has now arrived. It is proper that we subject to him our own will, as we have so often offered to do. Give me thy permission to enter upon thy suffering and death, and as my true mother consent that I deliver myself over to my enemies in obedience to my eternal Father. In this manner do thou also willingly cooperate with me in this work of eternal salvation, since I have received from thee in thy virginal womb the form of a suffering and mortal man, in which I am to redeem the world and satisfy the divine justice. Just as thou of thy own free will didst consent to my incarnation, so I now desire thee to give consent also to my passion and death of the cross, to sacrifice me now of thy own free will to the decree of my eternal Father. This shall be the return which I ask of thee, for having made thee my mother, for he has sent me in order that by the sufferings of my flesh I might recover the lost sheep of his house, the children of Adam. Matthew 18.11 these and other words of the Savior spoken on that occasion pierced the most loving heart of Mary and cast her into the throes of a sorrow greater than she had ever endured before. For now had arrived that dreadful hour whence there was no issue for her pains, neither in an appeal to the swift leading time nor to any other tribunal against the inevitable decree of the Eternal Father that had fixed the term of her beloved son's life. When now the most prudent mother looked upon him as her God, infinite in his attributes and perfections, and as the true God-man, in a hypostatical union with the person of the Word, and beheld him sanctified and ineffably exalted by this union with the Godhead, 
She remembered the obedience he had shown her as his mother during so many years, and the blessings he had conferred upon her during his long intercourse with her. She realized that soon she was to be deprived of the blessed intercourse, and of the beauty of his countenance, of the vivifying sweetness of his words, that she was not only to lose all this at once, but moreover that she was to deliver him over into the hands of such wicked enemies, to ignominies and torments, and to the bloody sacrifice of a death on the cross. How deeply must all these considerations and circumstances, now so clearly before her mind, have penetrated into her tender and loving heart, and filled it with a sorrow unmeasurable. But with the magnanimity of a queen vanquishing this invincible pain, she prostrated herself at the feet of her divine son and master, and in deepest reverence, kissing his feet, answered, 434, Lord and highest God, author of all that has being, though thou art the son of my womb, I am thy handmaid. The condescension of thy ineffable love alone has raised me from the dust to the dignity of being thy mother. It is altogether becoming that I, vile wormlet, acknowledge and thank thy most liberal clemency by obeying the will of the Eternal Father and thy own. I offer myself and resign myself to his divine pleasure, in order that in me, just as in thee, my Son and Lord, his eternal and adorable will be fulfilled. The greatest sacrifice which I can make is that I shall not be able to die with thee, and that our lot should not be inverted. For to suffer in imitation of thee and in thy company would be a great relief for my pains, and all torments would be sweet if undergone in union with thine. That thou shouldst endure all these torments for the salvation of mankind shall be my only relief in my pains. Receive, O my God, the sacrifice of my desire to die with thee, and of my still continuing to live while thou, the most innocent lamb and figure of the substance of thy eternal father, undergoest death. Hebrews 1.3. Receive also the agonies of my sorrow to see the inhuman cruelty of thy enemies executed on thy exalted person because of the wickedness of the humankind. O ye heavens and elements and all creatures within them, ye sovereign spirits, ye patriarchs and prophets, assist me to deplore the death of my beloved, who gave you being, and bewail with me the misery of men, who are the cause of this death, and who, failing to profit of such great blessings, shall lose that eternal life so dearly bought. O unhappy you that are foreknown as doomed, and O ye happy predestined, who shall wash your stoles in the blood of the Lamb. Apocalypse 7.14 You who knew how to profit by this blessed sacrifice, praise ye the Lord Almighty. O my son, an infinite delight of my soul, Give fortitude and strength to thy afflicted mother, and mit her as thy disciple and companion, in order that she may participate in thy passion and cross, and in order that the Eternal Father may receive the sacrifice of thy mother in union with thine. 4.35 With these and other expressions of her sentiments, which I cannot all record in words, the Queen of Heaven answered her Most Holy Son and offered herself as companion and a coadjutrix in his passion. Thereupon, thoroughly instructed and prepared by divine light for all the mysteries to be wrought by the Master of Life towards accomplishing all the great ends, 
The most pure mother, having the Lord's permission, added another request to the fo- in the following words. Beloved of my soul and light of my eyes, my son, I am not worthy to ask thee what I desire for my inmost soul. But thou, O Lord, art the life of my hope, and in this my trust I beseech thee. If such be thy pleasure to make me a participant in the ineffable sacrament of thy body and blood, thou hast resolved to institute it as a pledge of thy glory, and I desire in receiving thee sacramentally in my heart to share the effects of this new and admirable sacrament. Well do I know, O Lord, that no creature can ever merit such an exquisite blessing which thou hast resolved to set above all the works of thy magnificence. And in order to induce thee to confer it upon me, I have nothing else to offer except thy own self and all thy infinite merits. If, by perpetuating these merits, through the same humanity which thou hast received from my womb, creates for me a certain right, let this right consist not so much in giving thyself to me in this sacrament, as in making me thine by this new possession, which restores to me thy sweetest companionship. All my desires and exertions I have devoted to the worthy receptions of this holy communion, from the moment in which thou gavest me knowledge of it, and ever since it was thy fixed decree to remain in the holy church under the species of the consecrated bread and wine. Do thou then, my Lord and God, return to thy first habitation, which thou didst find in thy beloved mother and thy slave, whom thou hast prepared for thy reception by exempting her from the common touch of sin. Then shall I receive within me the humanity which I have communicated to thee from my own blood, and thus shall we be united in a renewed and close embrace. This prospect enkindles my heart with most ardent love, and may I never be separated from thee who art the infinite good and the love of my soul. 4.36 Many words of incomparable love and reverence were spoken on that occasion by the queen and lady. From the wonderful love of her heart, she sought of her most holy son the privileges of participating in the sacred body and blood. The Lord on his part answered her with great tenderness and granted her request, promising her the blessing of holy communion at the hour of its institution. The purest mother in deepest devotion broke out in heroic acts of humility, thankfulness, reverence, and living faith and expectation the desired participation in the Most Holy Eucharist. Then happened what I shall relate next. 437. The Savior commanded the holy angels of her guard to attend upon her in a visible form and to serve and console her in the sorrow and loneliness. With this command they complied most faithfully. The Lord also expressed his desire that after his departure for Jerusalem with his disciples, she should follow shortly after in company with the holy women who had accompanied them from Galilee, and that she should instruct and encourage them in order that they might not be scandalized in seeing him suffer the great ignominies and torments of the frightful death of the cross. At the close of this interview, the Son of the Eternal Father gave his blessing to his beloved mother and prepared to enter upon the last journey, which led to his suffering and death. The sorrow which filled the hearts of both son and mother passes all conception of man, for it was proportioned to the love they had for each other. And this love again was proportioned to the dignity and greatness of the persons concerned. But although we can so little describe it in words, we are not free to exempt ourselves from meditating upon it and following them on their sorrowful journey with the deepest compassion. For if we neglect to do so, as far as our strength and ability permits, we cannot avoid being reprehended as hard-hearted ingrates. 438. 
Our Savior thus parted with his most beloved mother and sorrowful spouse, and taking along with him all his apostles, a little before midday of the Thursday of the Last Supper, departed on the last journey from Bethany to Jerusalem. At the very outset, he raised his eyes to the Eternal Father, and confessing him in words of thankfulness and praise, again professed his most ardent love and most lovingly and obediently offered to suffer and die for the redemption of the human race. This prayer and sacrifice of our Savior and Master sprang from such ineffable love and ardor of his spirit that it cannot be described. All that I say of it seems to me rather a grain saying of the truth and of what I desire to say. Eternal Father and my God, say Christ our Lord, in compliance with thy holy will, I now go to suffer and die for the liberation of men, my brethren and my creatures of thy hands. I deliver myself up for their salvation to gather those who have been scattered and divided by the sin of Adam. John 11.52 I go to prepare the treasures by which the creatures made according to thy image and likeness are to be enriched and adorned, so that they may be restored to the height of thy friendship and to eternal happiness, and in order that thy holy name may be known and exalted among all creatures. As far as shall depend upon thee and me, no soul shall be deprived of a salvation most abundant, and thy inviolate equity shall stand justified in all those who despise this copious redemption. 439. Then following the author of life, the most blessed mother in the company of Magdalene, and of the other holy women who had attended upon the Savior, and had followed him from Galilee, took leave of Bethany. In the same manner of the divine master instructed his apostles and prepared them for his passion, in order that they might not desert him on account of the ignominies they were to witness, and on account of the temptations of Satan. So also the queen and mistress of all virtues exerted herself in preparing the devoted band of her disciples for witnessing courageously the death and the frightful scourging and torments of their divine master. Although on account of their feminine nature these women naturally were more frail and weak than the apostles, Yet some of them showed much more fortitude in adhering to the teachings and in relying on the previous exhortations and examples of their great mistress and queen. Among them all, as the evangelists relate, Mary Magdalene distinguished herself, for she was entirely consumed in the flames of her love, and even naturally she was of a magnanimous, courageous, and energetic disposition. Well-educated and full of a noble fidelity, she, before all others of the apostolate, had taken it upon herself to accompany the mother of Jesus and attend upon her during the entire Passion. And this, her resolve, she fulfilled as the most faithful friend of the Blessed Mother. 440. The Most Holy Mother imitated and joined the Savior in his prayer and the offering which he made at this time. For, as I have often said in the clear mirror furnished her by the divine light, she was made to see all the works of her divine Son, in order that she might imitate them as closely as possible. The holy angels of her guard, obeying the orders of the Savior, accompanied and attended upon her in visible forms. With these heavenly spirits, she conversed about the great sacrament of the Passion, which was yet hidden to her companions and to all the human creatures. They well perceived and deeply pondered the measureless conflagration of love in the pure and candid heart of the Mother and the force with which they saw her drawn after the sweet ointments of mutual love between her and Christ, her Son, Spouse, and Redeemer. They presented to the Eternal Father the sacrifice of praise and expiation, offered to him by his firstborn and only daughter among the creatures, 
since all the mortals were insensible of this benefit and of the indebtedness in which they were placed by the love of Christ their Lord and his blessed mother. She ordered the holy angels to give benediction, glory, and honor to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and they eagerly fulfilled the wish of their great princess and queen. 441. Words fail me, and worthy sentiments of sorrow for expressing properly what I understood on this occasion concerning the amazement of the holy angels, when on the one hand they saw the incarnate word and his most holy mother, wending their way in most ardent love of mankind toward the accomplishment of man's redemption, and on the other beheld the vileness and gratitude and hard-hearted neglect of men concerning their obligations consequent upon this blessing, a blessing which would have moved to recognition even the demons if they had been the objects of such a benefit. The amazement of the angels arose not from any ignorance on their part, but from indignation at our unbearable ingratitude. I am but a weak woman and less than a wormlet of the earth. But in the light which has been given me concerning this matter, I wish to raise up my voice, so that it may be heard through all the world and rouse up the children of vanity and lovers of deceit, Canticle one three, to a sense of their obligations towards Christ and his holy mother. Prostrate on the ground, I wish to implore all men not to be so dull of heart and hostile to themselves, as not to rise from the stupor of forgetfulness, which keeps us in constant danger of eternal death and deprives us of the celestial life and happiness merited for us by the Redeemer and Lord by the bitterness of the cross. Instruction given me by the Queen of Heaven, Most Holy Mary. 442. My daughter, as thy soul has been furnished with special gifts of enlightenment, I call and invite thee anew to cast thyself into the sea of mysteries contained in the passion death of my divine Son. Direct all thy faculties and strain all the powers of thy heart and soul to make thyself at least somewhat worthy of understanding and meditating upon the ignominies and sorrows of the Son of the Eternal Father in his death on the cross for the salvation of men, and also of considering my doings and sufferings in connection with his bitterest passion. This science, so much neglected by men, I desire that thou, my daughter, study and learn, so as to be able to follow the spouse and imitate me, who am thy mother and teacher. Writing down and feeling deeply all that I shall teach thee of these mysteries, thou shouldst detach thyself entirely of human and earthly affections and of thy own self, so as freely to follow our footsteps in destitution and poverty. And since I do thee the special favor of calling thee aside to instruct thee in fulfillment of the will of my holy Son, and since we seek through thee to teach others, thou shouldst correspond to this copious redemption, as if it was solely for the benefit, and as if all of it would be lost, if thou dost not profit by its blessings. So much must thou esteem it, for in the love which caused my most holy son to die for thee, he looked upon thee with as great an affection as if thou hadst been the only one that needed the remedy of his passion and death. 4.43. This is the standard by which thou must measure thy obligations and thy gratitude, since thou then both seest the base and dangerous forgetfulness of men in regard to this benefit, and knowest that for these very men their God and Creator had died. It should be thy earnest endeavor to compensate him for their neglect by thy ardent love, as if the proper return for his benefits was left entirely to thy fidelity and gratitude alone. At the same time, grieve over the blind folly of men in despising eternal felicity, 
and in treasuring up for themselves the wrath of the Lord by frustrating the boundless effects of his love for the world. This is the purpose for which I make known to thee so many secrets and my unparalleled sorrow in the hour of his parting from me to go to his sacred sufferings unto death. There are no words which can describe the bitterness of my soul on that occasion, but the contemplation of it should cause thee to esteem no hardship great, to seek no rest or consolation on earth, except to suffer and die for Christ. Do thou sorrow with me, for this faithful correspondence is due to me, who favor thee with these graces. 4.44 I wish thee also to ponder what a horrible crime it is in the eyes of the Lord, in mine, and in those of all the saints, that men should despise and neglect the frequent reception of Holy Communion, and that they should approach it without preparation and fervent devotion. Principally, in order that thou mayest understand and record this warning, I have manifested to thee what I did on that occasion, and how I prepared myself so many years for receiving the Most Blessed Son in the Holy Sacrament, and also the rest which thou art yet to write for the instruction and confusion of men. For if I, who was innocent of any hindering sin, and filled with all graces, sought to increase my fitness for this favor by such fervent acts of love, humility, and gratitude, consider what efforts thou and the other children of the church, who every day and hour incur new guilt and blame, must make in order to fit yourselves for the beauty of this divinity and humanity of my most holy Son. What excuse can those men give in the last judgment, who have despised this ineffable love and blessing, which they had always present in the Holy Church, ready to fill them with the plentitude of his gifts, and who rather sought diversions and worldly pleasures, and attended upon the outward and deceitful vanities of this earthly life? Be thou amazed at this insanity, as were the holy angels, and guard thyself against falling into the same error. This concludes our reading today. For day number 232, we have been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 9, paragraphs 430 to 444. As Holy Week continues to progress in our reading, Jesus speaks to his mother. We had just a few days ago Jesus spending the last days with Mary in that home of Nazareth, but now as she accompanies him on this journey, they exchange words with one another. Jesus speaks to her. She expresses her own needs, desires, wants to him. And we heard that what Jesus said to her pierced the most loving heart of Mary and cast her into the throes of sorrow greater than she had ever endured before. In her prayer, she was able to tell the Lord, I understand that what you are doing is for the salvation of mankind. And that is what consoles me in this sorrow. And then she made a request of Jesus. She said, Jesus, I want to receive Holy Communion when you institute it. So she has this foreknowledge that the Holy Eucharist will be instituted on the night of the Last Supper. Mary prepared herself after the incarnation, the birth of Jesus, to be united with him again. And in the aftermath of his death and resurrection and ascension, that will be how she will be united to her son when he no longer is seen on earth after his ascension into heaven. This desire of Our Lady for Holy Communion was reflected in her instruction in which she said, 
So many people don't prepare themselves to receive the sacrament. Sometimes they even go without, not realizing what God is giving them. We have an opportunity because of Our Lady to understand the great power of the Blessed Sacrament. And I'm sure as we come to the institution of the Holy Eucharist, to the Last Supper, that teaching is going to be greatly reinforced for all of us. And Mary, with this knowledge of what is going to happen, the death of Jesus, his passion, this band of women who is surrounding her, those women who stood with her at the foot of the cross, she begins to prepare them already for what it is that they are going to see, what it is that they are going to hear. She wants them to be ready. Our Lady has these women to be with her in this moment of trial. She has their friendship. They will be there to lift her up. As we pray about the passion of Jesus, may we be there for Our Lady as well. May we console her, and as we meditate upon the death of Jesus, may she also bring consolation to us who love him so dearly. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful that you joined me today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.